plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Welcome to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. This is our Earth Day special, and it is going to be all about nature. So I hope that you will grab a cup of tea and sit back and participate and take away some of the tips that we'll have for you today. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be the Star You Are charity. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And this was written by Dorothy Frances Gurney. And you've probably heard it many times before because I do love it. The kiss of the sun for pardon, the song of the birds for mirth. One is nearest God's heart in the garden than anywhere else on earth. And I have just gotten out of the garden, but not my garden. Um, I'm actually uh, at my daughter and her husband's house and been working in their garden. We're uh, weeding the garden, and then I just hauled 65 to each bag was two cubic feet of this mulch so that we can get the garden to get the garden together. Um, so they like it when um, when I come down and and put my gardening skills to work, and then I'll be planting for them hopefully uh, in the next week. But they also raise chickens, so the chickens are here. In today's show, we're going to be talking about Earth Day and giving you some tips that you can do to combat climate change. Uh, We're also going to talk about raising chickens for the fresh eggs because it is the time of year when baby chicks are available. I have been raising chickens since I was the age of eight. I was actually California's champion rooster raiser for eight years running, beating out all of these um, exhibitors and professionals. I had no clue what I was doing. I just loved, I loved my chickens and I love my roosters. And so we'd go to the fairs and to all these exhibitions and they always won. Uh, I think they were just friendly and, and I don't know, they're, it's, everybody loves to be loved. So I'm going to give you some tips coming up in the third segment of how to buy chickens, house chickens, manis chickens. You will love it and you will want to have a couple of chickens. And and then I'm also going to read um, a chapter from my book, Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference. It's called The Gift of Affection. And it's all about relationships and how if we allowed ourselves to be more like animals, you know, to bark, wiggle, wag when when, uh, our friends and family and loved ones come around, we might really be able to maintain relationships longer. So Earth Day. Tomorrow is Earth Day, and combating climate change is definitely a daunting challenge. But there are a few things that you can do to 
to help yourself and to help the earth. And I was reading uh, People magazine, and they actually did a special providing some tips on how to save the planet. And I applaud them for including them uh, because there were some excellent choices, which I'm going to share some of them. And so many of them are things that I've been doing for years because uh, a lot of them are gardening tips. But some of the other ones are just things that we don't think about. So um, one of their, their tips was, you know how you can buy these Keurig coffee makers now and they have the, the, these little pods that you make, uh, you can make tea, hot chocolate, etc. Well, I've never liked them and nothing against Keurig, but I always like to start from scratch. And if you really want to be an earth-friendly person, you have to start just brewing your own coffee and maybe just using a loose leaf tea because experts estimate that the number of those single-use coffee pods that are currently in landfills could circle the earth more than 10 times. So what I use to make both my teas and my coffees, for teas I usually use a teapot, but I put all my different herbs and lemon slices and lemon leaves and all that and then strain it. But for my coffee and coffee grinds, I grind the coffee and I use a, a Capre Presse, which is a French press. Or you could use a classic um, drip coffee maker. And then to be even more uh, earth friendly, when you're done with the tea leaves, you put them in the compost pile. And what you do with the coffee grinds is you add water to the pot and you water all of your acid loving plants. That could be roses, azaleas, rhododendrons, uh, fuchsias, anything that likes uh, to have a, you know an acidic soil. They just go crazy uh, with coffee grinds, and I water my plants that way. And um, all you have to do is look on my website. You'll see lots of lots of beautiful flowers that are all in my garden, and that's at CynthiaBryan.com. And, of course, down here when I'm visiting my daughter and her husband in their garden, they do the same thing, and, um, and we get the roses are just really spectacular. Now, for your own well-being, you know, I talk a lot on this show about growing your own food and eating as many plant-based foods as you can. So maybe just get rid of processed food if, if you're, if as much as possible and start growing some herbs and some vegetables. And that is really good for the planet. Um, after you've eaten, and this goes, this really works with the chickens as well. So we always have a little, like a, a, a plasticware, a Tupperware, or it could be glassware, it doesn't matter. Or you could have a bucket that you keep, you know, in your garage or a small bucket under the sink. Save your scraps. Recycling is a must. But, you know, you want to reduce your trash, and so you want to start composting. So with all of these things, that, like all the scraps of food, it could be the stems, the peels, the eggshells, also the coffee grains, etc. You could put all these in the compost pile. 30% of a household's trash is organic matter, and all of that can be compost, composted. So you return, you return the scraps to the earth, and you actually will end up cutting your garbage costs by about 25%. 
And that will really help you because, I mean, it's cutting your garbage, the amount, right? And that's also reducing the methane emissions that would come from landfills. Now, if you need a refresher on how to compost, don't forget, is if you can either buy, uh, you can buy a compost bin or you can just make a compost pile, but just have a dry, shady spot in your yard. Um, and I just do, I have both. I have a bin and I have a pile. And then you can add all the food scraps. That's fruits, vegetables, eggshells, coffee grinds, tea. Uh, even the tea bags are okay. No meat and no animal products because those are going to attract the raccoons and the skunks and other and the rats, other pests. And no animal um you can put chicken manure in there. That's fantastic. Chicken manure, rabbit rabbit manure, goat manure. That's all good. But you don't want to put dog and cat manure in that because that is not that is not good. Uh, and then you can add your lawn clippings if you have a lawn. You can add leaves that is considered your brown. You know some of your brown matter twigs, and then turn the compost regularly with a shovel or a pitchfork. And then if the, if the pile looks dry, you want to sprinkle it with a hose. You can also cover it with a tarp, and that will keep it moist because you want to keep it moist. And then when the material looks dark and rich in color and it's, it'll be ready to use in your garden, I always give the idea that it's like um, kind of like, you know, a, a chocolate cake or something. So when it looks kind of like crumbly like that, it's, that's when it's ready and it's going to be great. Now, the other reason that we save scraps, besides composting, is we feed all of our scraps, um, because we're growing all our own vegetables, we feed them to the chickens. And they just love it. They look so forward to their scraps every single day. And, you know, if you're, if you're eating organically and you're eating things from your own garden and then you're giving them to your chickens and then your chickens are making manure and then you're putting the scraps and the manure back in the compost pile, it's like it just really, it works. So another tip uh, for Earth Day that everybody can do is Americans use an estimated 15 billion pounds, billion with a B, of paper towels every year. And that is over 3,000 tons of waste. So instead of using paper towels all the time and having that roll by the sink, um, what you could do is just get some uh, small towels, folded towels, or what I use are washcloths. I keep, um, I just keep, uh, I do keep one roll of paper towels just for certain things that I'll use, but I, it probably takes me six months to go through it. But I use, um, I bought like 20 white washcloths that I can just throw in the wash machine with a little bit of bleach, cleans them, they're always white, and that will save, uh, save on um, the paper waste. So, you know, I think that's a better idea, and you know, it just seems like it is a way, you know, a way to go. Um, so one of the things I use paper towels for is, if I'm washing my arugula or my lettuce or chives or something and I, or cilantro and you want to save it in the refrigerator, you can wash it, dry it on the cloth towels, and then you could wrap it in a paper towel, which will keep it fresh. Although I'd use the cloth towels too to wrap it in. So it really eliminates a lot of that paper towel. One thing you hear a lot about is eliminating single-use plastic because um, 
all the plastic that has ever been produced still exists. And that's kind of a scary thing to think about. So if you can uh, exchange plastic wrap and bags with reusable containers, that is a much, much uh, more earth-friendly thing to do. So just think about it and consider it because I think that's going to help you um, quite a bit. Now, when it comes to water usage, well, California is going to, this year, we're told that it's going to be the third driest year in California history, unless we get some rain, which we haven't, um, but we didn't get any in April so far. I, th I know we still have a little bit to go, but so far, none. So I just want to tell you about taking a shower. I used to be the person that loved a long, hot shower, but you can't do that anymore. Now... I have to take like a three-minute <laughs> very fast shower because of the amount of water. So the amount of water available to us is limited, and the problem's only going to grow as the earth gets hotter. And on average, just figure this, for every minute of shower that you take, you're using two gallons of water. So by reducing just eight minutes um, uh, like an eight-minute shower, by reducing an eight-minute shower by 60 seconds, that is so taking a seven-minute shower, that's going to save you 60 gallons of water per month. Now, in the county of Marin, which is on the other side of the bay from where I live, uh, they have now instigated uh, a rationing again for water, and there are going to be fines and all of that if you're using too much. And it's really hard because, oh, especially for me as a gardener, it's really, really hard. You want to, you know, you've invested all this time in keeping your garden alive and planting plants and all of that. And you don't want to not water, but now they are rationing landscaping to one day a week. Um, fines if you, if you're caught washing your car, in your driveway. Now I have a solution for that. What I do is because I do have a lawn, I drive my car onto the lawn and that's how the lawn gets watered. I wash the car and I use a biodegradable soap and the lawn gets watered because I'm watering the, I'm washing the car. So that's just another, I thought, um, turn your thermostat down to 68 degrees or lower when you are sleeping, or if you can, Leave it low all the time. I always keep mine uh, at like at 62 and I'm fine, maybe because I'm so active and running around. But lowering the temperature is more conducive to restful sleep anyway, and it conserves energy. So that is, um, that's an important thing that you can do. Don't forget to bring the outside in. Consider growing some house plants because they're natural air purifiers. Now, uh, my one of my favorites are the fiddle leaf fig. They're beautiful. If you have tall ceilings, if you have like a, a stairwell or something that goes up 20 feet, a fiddle leaf, leaf, fiddle leaf fig will just get bigger, and it's a great tree indoor, and it just produces lots of oxygen. But for something simple, if you're, if you're kind of the person that has a brown thumb and you forget to water things, just uh, consider like a snake plant. Um, it's also called mother-in-law's tongue. They, they're great, and they don't need much water, you know, maybe once a month, a few drops. Also, orchids are fantastic. They, uh, they don't need much water either. 
Uh, don't forget to weatherize your windows if you own your home, reducing the amount of energy wasted by making windows, doors, and walls insulated against the cold. That's going to save you 15% in heating and cooling costs. So that's something that's um, that's definitely a, a really good one. And when we're talking about saving on um, electrical costs or heating costs, whatever, don't forget to replace traditional light bulbs with LEDs. Now, they are a bit more expensive, but LEDs last 40 times longer than incandescents, and they are 60 to 75% more energy efficient. So that is really good. And unplug any appliances or devices that you're not using. 10% of home electricity costs are a result of phantom power drawn by atoms that are uh, plugged in. And how do you know, like I always unplug the toaster, but if you see a light, if there's like a standby light, that means it's drawing energy. So unplug it. And then, oh, you know all that junk mail that we get? Oh my gosh, I just hate junk mail. So of course, uh, wherever you can, sign up to pay your bills, do e-bills. Um, if you feel okay with getting e-statements, that's great. But recycle all that junk, um, that junk mail. Now, one of the things that I did this year and boy, did it work, is I shredded it and then used it in the garden. I put um, all this paper, shredded paper first in the garden. Then I added good soil. Then on top of that, I did mulch. And where I did that, I have no weeds. Where I only added good soil, I have weeds. Where I only added wood chips, I have weeds. But where I did that step, um, and I actually explained that to you last year. I mean, last week, uh, that was really, really um, a good thing to do. Uh, if you do have, if you live in a rainy area, consider uh, getting your rainwater, saving it. You could get, you could get big barrels. A lot of people here in California, because we are, uh, you know, a wine, a wine state. Um, they get they get wine barrels and they uh, fill them. They put a spout into them that drains from the roof or whatever, and that works out really, really well. So those are just a few things. Oh, I just want to say about bees because my daughter and her husband, they have beehives. They're beekeepers. But just remember to eliminate the weed killers, insecticides, and any other chemicals because those really wreak havoc on the bee population. And that is, uh, bees are responsible for 80% of crop pollination worldwide. So we got to become advocates for the bees. And um, in fact, if you want more, if you want bees to come around, you know, plant things like lavender and milkweed and all kinds of brightly colored flowers, that attracts the bees. And as my engineer, Josh, was telling me, he used to collect as a boy, uh, wild honey in the wild from the bees. So that's another great thing to do. Well, that is, that's some tips for um, Earth Day that you can use all year round. I hope that you will celebrate Earth Day by being responsible and being good to our planet. It's the only one that we have at the moment until we can get to somewhere else. But, you know, let's let's take care of this one. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I will be right back with the gift of affection from 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference from Be the Star You Are. Don't go away.
Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show well, this is a show all celebrating Mother Earth because tomorrow is Earth Day. And there is just something wonderful about having grown up in nature. I feel very blessed that I was able to grow up on a farm in the middle of nowhere. We called it living in the boondocks. And yes, as teenagers, that was harder um, to because we were so far away from everybody. But you learn to be self-sufficient and you really learn to respect for Mother Nature, and you learn what things you can eat that are wild and uh, what you can't, and, you know, there's it's just great to be able to climb trees and have a swing over the creek, and, you know, it, it's kind of like Huck Finn, I guess. Well, this is um, one of my favorite chapters from the book I wrote, Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference. It's called The Gift of Affection. And you can find this book or any of my books at CynthiaBryan.com. You can just click on the store and you'll see it. And all the money goes to Be The Star You Are that helps keep this show on the air. So this is the gift of affection. My maternal grandmother was a passionate animal lover. She had a herd of horses, several dogs, wild animals, and aviaries filled with exotic birds. She and my grandpa rode in fine western regalia in parades around California and often hitched their horses up to buggies and appeared in movies. Grandma was a true blue cowgirl. She was so renowned for her work with horses that she was hired to train several famous horses for the film industry. Now, perhaps I inherited my love of the animal kingdom from grandma and passed this uh, passion on to my kids. Grandma taught me how to communicate with these furred and feathered friends. When my sisters and I were young, Grandma and Grandpa gave, uh, gave my dad three horses, a chestnut quarter horse named Taffy that my, once my youngest sister claimed, a dappled gray Appaloosa 
named Shadow that my second sister wanted, and for me, a small white Arabian colt. I immediately named her Bambi after my favorite movie character. Although all the horses were adored, Bambi and I developed a special relationship. I vividly remember the three of us girls going up to the horse pasture when we were ready to ride like cowgirls, and we would just shout, Bambi, Taffy, Shadow. They'd hear us, and no matter where they were on the ranch or in the hills, they would come running. Bambi was always in the lead, galloping down the hill, and she and I just shared this unique communication. Everyone told me I needed to break her properly, but I never wanted to tame her wild spirit. I loved her just the way she was. So Bambi was trained my way, with affection, respect, and patience. I rode her bareback, with only a lead rope around her neck. Sometimes I just held on to her mane, and she never did learn to take a bit in her mouth, or she never wore a bridle, and that was just fine with me. She knew instinctively where I wanted to go, unless, of course, I was racing one of my sisters on their horses, and then Bambi would try to take the quickest route back to the barn. I learned to hold on for dear life, and yes, I was knocked off a few times by low-hanging branches. Bambi loved me, too. She'd follow me everywhere. She'd nuzzle my neck and beg me to wrap my arms around her. She was my girl, and I was hers, and if only horses could live as long as people. Many years later, her death devastated me, but it was also the beginning of my long, affectionate relationship with all creatures. Over the years, people have laughed at me because of my great fondness for animals. I have been called, and actually am still called, the chicken lady or the egg lady because I raised chickens to earn money for college. I sold the eggs, and still to this day, I have a cottage industry selling the fresh chicken eggs to several customers. I've been called a female Dr. Doolittle for the menagerie that I've gathered, and, of course, other names that are not so kind, <laughs> but I'm undeterred. Affection is kinship with another. It's an emotional bond, a true fondness from the heart. I believe that many humans are programmed to give affection, but they don't really know how to receive it. They are afraid to open themselves up, or they're cynically viewing expressions of tenderness with suspicion. They might suspect ulterior motives. For some, an undemanding animal gives us the permission that we need to both give and receive unconditional love. My animals have taught me some of my most important lessons in human relationships. Compassion, love, empathy, perseverance. Animals feel emotional bonds just as we humans do, and they are not afraid to exhibit their affections for one another and for their human friends. I've always marveled that I can come home from a completely terrible day, looking like I've been in a thunderstorm, smelling like I've been on a garbage truck, and be greeted by my dogs as if I was a queen arriving for some great occasion. I mean, can you imagine how wonderful our relationships would be if we allowed ourselves to do this with people, to experience the simple pleasure of demonstrating our affection when loved ones arrive home by jumping up and down, barking and dancing in circles, <laughs> celebrating their joys and participating in a good cry instead of offering solutions to their problems. I think we humans need some of this. As George Eliot said, animals are such agreeable friends. 
and they ask no questions, and they pass no criticisms. So take a lesson from all God's creatures. Show your affection for this world we live in. The more you care, the more affection you will encounter, and you can pass it on. So the exercise that I wrote for this chapter is called Bark, Wiggle, and Wag. So the next time someone you love walks in the door, don't ask about what kind of a day they've had. Just start wiggling, start wagging, start jumping up and down, jumping for joy. Bark, whinny, honk, quack. Convey how delighted you are to see them. Let your enthusiastic affection bubble over and watch their reactions. Sure, at first they're going to think you lost your mind. Then they're going to wonder what the heck you're up to. And finally, they're going to laugh at you, with you, and for you. And the best part is when they get into the routine, they might just return the affection. And they might start barking and wiggling and wagging and neighing and whinnying and honking and quacking and whatever else (laughs) that they wanted to, to let them know that they care about you. So allow yourself to receive their love. And if you have difficulty with this exercise, just borrow a pet for a few days and allow the animal to teach you this fun and fond exercise in affection. Learn to express your affection today and express affection unconditionally. You will accept affection in return and open yourself to affection without boundaries. Well, I'm going to go to an early break because I want to spend the next segment talking about chickens. And I just, I love chickens. (laughs) I really do. And so I'm going to tell you a lot about them. So we're going to go to a business fight and talk about the benefits of being outside. And then uh, we will will, uh, talk more about chickens. So don't go away. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We'll be right back with more Earth Day special. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Studies show that spending time outdoors decreases levels of the hormone cortisol, lowers blood pressure, and reduces other markers of stress. Relaxation is the reward. Exercise is a critical pillar of optimum health. So going outside encourages you to get up and move. Hike, bike, garden, swim, stroll. Physical activity is paramount. Moods are lifted when you spend time in green spaces. Forest bathing for reducing depression and anxiety is a very easy prescription for health. The beauty of nature lowers levels of inflammation in the body. Experience the awe. Now, pollution is the culprit for many illnesses, including respiratory problems, cancer, and heart disease. Breathe in the fresh air. And pet a pet. Animals ground us and help us be more human. Add these nature prescriptions that cannot be filled at a pharmacy to your daily routine for a better personal and business life. 
Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business fight from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan.com. Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Well, back to our party for Earth Day. It's kind of an animal parade as well as a, a garden and nature and just taking care taking care of our planet. Well, I have been raising chickens since I was eight years old, as I previously told you. I, I joined 4-H, and I was in 4-H until I was 18, and then I became a leader, and I was a uh, the poultry leader for another 12 years for uh, for for other little kids, and so I just really love chickens. And uh, during that time, I raised. Um, I started with twelve Rhode Island Reds, and um, gradually went up to several thousand chickens. Not all at one time, but I was also exhibiting them at all the fairs and the state fairs and uh, and different festivals and everything. And um, also, I was the state, besides being the champion rooster raiser for the state of California, I won the highest awards in 4-H for the state of California for the poultry project. And uh, my project was an egg uh, production project. So I wasn't raising the hens as fryers or as meat birds. I was raising them for, uh, for eggs. Although when it would come to the time when the chickens weren't laying and you had to cull the chickens, then we would turn them into stewing hens. But that was very hard for me. I, I didn't like, I just felt like all these chickens were my friends. And so what I have done since the uh, 4-H days is every chicken that is in my barnyard lives until she is um, no longer alive. She le- she lives a life running around and scratching, doing what chickens are supposed to do, finding worms. And then when her life is over, she is buried in the pet cemetery. <laughs> but I want to help you um, find out about chickens. 
because uh, just about every, I don't know every city, but almost every city in the United States, people are allowed to have a chick, one chicken. That's where the whole idea of a chicken in every pot came from. It was that people could raise one chicken. Uh, now you can't do it if you're in an apartment and you don't have any outside space. But if you do have a yard, um, most cities have ordinances that you can have one or two chickens. So if you have a place that you make sure to check your city or your wherever it is you live. I live in the country, so I can have chickens. Um, but do check the ordinances because you don't want to have to get rid of animals. That's how I end up with all my adopted animals is somehow people can't keep them for one reason or another. And then I end up, um, I end up with them. So this kind of stock that you are going to select depends on your objective in poultry keeping. Now, most small flocks are raised to provide a supply of fresh eggs. And there's so much fun and there's so much education for family. And um, although some people do want to have chicken dinner, and that's totally your own preference, but for me, I really like to just have the eggs. And then again, if you have, if you're part of 4-H and you have a poultry project, you can also use them for exhibition at fairs and poultry shows, which is just really a lot of fun. And you meet a lot of very interesting people. So what is the age to buy? The reason I wanted to do this show now is that the little chicks, the one-day-old chicks, are now at feed stores and available for you so you don't have to order them. What I used to do when I was a kid is I would actually order them from a breeder and I would get them when they were uh, one day old. And then sometimes I would go ahead if I had a broody hen, which is a hen that would sit on her eggs, I would hatch eggs. But I found out I was getting just too many roosters and that's not a good, um, that's not a good thing. So chicks that are usually available, you, they can be a straight run, which means you don't know what you're going to get. Or they're sexed, and that means you're going to get a female and male. If you saw the movie Minari, that is up for Academy Awards, and it's already won awards for its Korean uh, supporting uh, as best supporting actress. But it was up in the SAG Awards, it was in the Golden Globes, etc. That's what they were doing: is sexing chickens, and they were just little babies. And sadly. And it's something I never even knew. Sadly, um, the roosters, the males, they were um, discarded. So um, what you want to do now is you want to decide what kind of chickens you want to get. What kind of eggs do you want? And I have to take a drink of water for a second because I've been working, as I said, in the garden all day. So excuse me one second. I think that was two seconds. Anyway, um, it, because there are such beautiful chickens out there. Now, if you're only going for egg production, you might want to just get white leghorns because they are the chicken that produces the most eggs. But they're kind of skittish and they're not as fun. I really like having all kinds of uh, different breeds. And the breeds that I have right now, and I'll, I'm going to tell you their eggs, because they're just so great. 
I have uh, Well Summer. They make these gorgeous deep red eggs. They also do spotted eggs, so they it looks like they have little dots on them. I have Barnvelder. They do the brown eggs. I have a beautiful blue laced red Winandote. They do brown brown eggs, and a golden laced Winandote, and that's brown eggs as well. And uh, I have red Cochins. I have red sex links. And now red sex links, it looks a lot like just a Rhode Island. And those are brown eggs. And then a black Menorca. Um, and she lays white eggs. And then um, uh, uh, my favorite eggs are the blues and the green eggs. And so I have uh, Copper Moran. And they either, uh, they will, they uh, lay a chocolate or dark brown or sometimes a speckled egg. But if you're looking for blue eggs, you want an Americana or you can get an Aracana. And for the green eggs, you want the Favaconas. <laughs> but some of other uh, really beautiful uh, chickens, and these are, these are ones that are more standard. Are, you could get Plymouth Rock. And um, these are called pure breeds. And they're either white or barred Plymouth Rocks. Rhode Island Reds, they're just a, like a red chicken. Uh, the New Hampshire Reds, and those both lay uh, brown eggs. And as I said, the Winandotes, they can be used for egg or for meat production. But they generally don't lay or grow as well as cross. Like if you were going to do a meat production, you want a Cornish cross. Those are, they become big um, really delicious. Uh, they they will reach three to four pounds in weight at about eight weeks of age, and that's kind of the optimum conditions. And they're a real meaty fryer. In fact, um, my kids raised meat birds for 4-H when they were um, doing their chickens, and the restaurants would come to the fairs and bid on them. Uh, my sons were always grand champions. And it was unbelievable how much you would get for one for one chicken. But some other chickens that are really pretty are the Seabright and the Polish. I think the Polish look like punk rockers because they have a pom-pom on their head. I love Cochins because they have feathers on their feet. And they're just so, so, uh, they're just really, really a pretty, pretty um, chicken. And, of course, you know, other poultry, uh, geese and ducks are included in that. And I've always raised geese and ducks as well. I had uh, Toulouse, and I, I named him Toulouse Latrec, of course. He was a beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, goose. You can get Rowan ducks. You can get a colored Muscovy, uh, Peking, of course. And that's like the, uh, the Chinese duck. And they all live fine, great together, but the ducks and geese get into the water. And so they kind of be very, they can be very uh, messy. But going back to buying them now is there is a, a book that is the, called The Standard. It's the standard of perfection that lists all the different poultry. Now, if you just have a small yard, you might want to get banties. They're called bantams, and they're really popular. They range in weight just from one to two pounds, and then that way they don't eat much food. They're really small little chickens, 
And their management's just the same. The only thing I have to tell you about them is they love to fly and they love to roost in trees. Uh, if so, if you don't ha lock them up at night in an enclosed, you know, an enclosed chicken house, they'll fly up into the trees. And if you have raccoons, um, they could get killed by raccoons. And of course, you have to protect your chickens from the coyotes, from dogs. Uh, so you definitely have to have a place that you can lock your chickens up at night and and a safe place for them to scratch and be in the daytime. So you do want to, you know, be able to fence something in. Now, um, what about building a, a brooder or setting up your home, a home house? What do you need? So if you are going to get these little babies that are one day old, and that's usually when we get our babies, we get them one day old, and then you set up a brooder. And that way that they are, they're going to grow, they'll, they'll recognize you, they become friendly. But you have to supply supplemental heat for the birds until they're at least four to five weeks of age. So a good rule is to start with a brooding temperature of about 95 degrees Fahrenheit. And then you reduce the temperature five degrees per week until you don't need the heat anymore. And if you're brooding ducks, you usually start with a temperature of about 90. Now, you're probably wondering, how do you do this? So two 60-watt light bulbs or even a heat lamp can be used as the heat source. And I just use a clip-on lamp uh, with a double socket. And it's good to have two light bulbs because just in case one burns out, you can even use a cardboard box in the beginning to house the chicks. And then you can clamp the lamp onto the side of the box and, um, you know, lower it. It should be at least 18 inches above the chicks. You don't want to burn them. Uh, if you're going to suspend the lamp, don't hang it by its cord. Uh, be sure that the hot globes don't touch the box. And, um, and you don't want it to touch the litter because you need to put some litter on the, on the ground. You can do, you don't want to just put newspaper because that's going to be too slippery. And the, the chicks are starting to use their feet. So you don't want to just put litter, uh, put, you don't want to put um, newspaper. So you can just do some chopped up straw. You could do some rice hulls. Um, you could even just put even some weeds or grass in there. That would be fine as well. And then you're going to just have to clean the litter as much um, as needed, at least, at least every couple of days. And um, you could also do some terry cloth towels, but any material that is absorbent and the chickens can get a good grip on. Again, don't use newspaper. It's too slick. And what happens with them is the chickens become spraddle legs. That's what they call it, spraddle legs, because they can't grab it. Now, always have fresh water available for your birds. A quart fount is needed for every 25 chicks. Now, I don't know if you're going to get that many. But you definitely, even if you're getting two, you want to at least have a one quart font there. And you can increase the size and the number of fonts after the first week of breeding. And if you want to breed any small birds, like, like I have um, a Japanese quail, you could put some marbles or stones in the lip of the water fountain to prevent the birds from going in there and drowning. So you don't want... You don't want them to, to go in and, you know, that does happen. 
Uh, make sure that chicks have plenty of feed and that they're not just fighting for feeder space. Now, something that you could do is if you, what I like to do is, again, I said you could use a cardboard box, which is totally fine. However, it might be um, smarter to do, like get one of those big round, not a, it's not a bucket. It's, um, uh, what would it be? It would, I like, I use it for my goat feed, but if you can, if you can get something that's round, at least for the first week to put the, your chicks in, that will keep them, especially if you're getting multiple chicks, if you're only getting, you know, like four or six chicks, a cardboard box is fine. But if you're getting more than, you know, six or eight chicks, you might want to put them in a round space because what happens often is they will just go into a corner and sometimes they will um, suffocate each other, you know, so you don't want to, you don't want to do that. So that's just another idea. Um, so make sure you have plenty of feed and that they're not fighting for it. As I said, allow one to two inches of feeder space per bird. That's going to provide ample space for the chicks. And even you could do turkeys too. Turkeys are Turkey poults are another um, another easy poultry to to um, to raise, and make sure that you set up the brooder and have it adjusted before you get your chicks. So if you're going to buy your chicks tomorrow, then you should set up everything today. Have the water in it, have your food in it, and have the light on for 24 hours already. So that when you do get your chicks, they'll be nice and warm and cozy, and they will um, they'll they'll like their home right away. That's going to orient the birds as to the location of the feeders and waterers, and you'll they'll start eating and drinking right away by taking their beak and dipping it in the food and dipping it in the water. That's how you orient them to make sure to do it. Now, some people some people really like to um, to uh, breed their own chickens by getting fertile eggs and then um, and then you can hatch them yourself and that you can totally do that and you can again just use um, use lights uh, as long as it's warm you can actually hatch it and uh, between three and 22 weeks of age, you want your chickens to have natural daylight. And so it's very important for them then to be moved out to wherever, you know, I have a barnyard and I have a barn and and, it's in the, I, and you could have, there's all these really adorable chicken houses online now. So if you're just going to have a couple of hens, you could buy a really cute, or if you're handy, you can build a very cute hen house and then you can actually kind of fence in an area so that they can go out on the dirt and scratch just make sure that they can get out into the dirt and again they love to eat all of those extra scraps that you will have on a daily basis um, and then make sure to clean it and then their manure as I said is fantastic for the compost pile however don't put it directly into the garden Chicken manure is considered hot, so that means that um, it needs to rest. The chicken manure has to age. So aged chicken manure is two to three years old. So 
mix your com- you can mix it into the compost and it'll age quicker but if you're just going to put plain old chicken manure on your garden it has to be aged for two or three years now egg laying hens require a lot of calcium for their eggshells so an excellent way to provide it is by free choice feeding them oyster shells or calcium grit now eggshells can be saved and you can feed them back to the chickens which is what I do. I mash them up and I feed the eggshells back to the chickens. They also like whole grain, so you can give them some some corn or some scratch in their litter, and they need some grit. So they also like grass and, um, and grit, which is available in chicken hen size. And then you should probably also buy something called Laina pellets, which has all the vitamins and things they need it, and it's organic. Uh, so, and then again, just feed them all the all your scraps. So I hope that gives you some ideas of what you can do with chickens. You know, they are not dumb animals. Every day that I'm out in the garden, my uh, copper Moran, I just call her copper, she follows me everywhere. She scratches right next to me, and she will not go to bed until I walk her up to the barnyard and I tell her good night. <laughs> and I think she would probably follow me in the house if I let her, but I don't. But so they're really very, they're so much fun, and they're great education for children. And you get wonderful, fresh, organic eggs. Well, that's the show. Happy Earth Day. Thank you for being with me here every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, You're listening to the Empowerment Channel. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. And this is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Star Style Projections, visit CynthiaBryan.com. To make a donation to the charity, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And until we celebrate once again next week, remember that love always wins. Kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are, be your unapologetically authentic self. And don't forget to wiggle, wag, (laughs) nay, quack, and do whatever you have to do to be enthusiastic with your affection. Thanks for joining me. Make it a great week, and have a very happy Earth Day. Celebrate Mother Earth. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain and motivate you to be the star you were born to be for more information visit starstyleradio.com and to make a donation to the charity go to be the star you ignite the flame that burns brightly within take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect cynthia bryan every wednesday at 4 p.m pacific time 7 p.m eastern time right here on the voice america empowerment channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style until we celebrate together next week be the star you are